1: This this is Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ah! What a Thursday
2: we've got for you on Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at Supertalk.fm. And Super Talk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort. That is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. What a spot that would be to be today. Starting at about lunchtime today, little action on the game if you are so inclined and a great place to watch college basketball. You've got tournaments going on all over the place. We're into day two of the SEC tournament. Uh, you can do that. Pearl River Resort has the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino, and uh, you can find out more online at pearlriverresort.com. Love to hear from you this afternoon. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. Get uh, gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business to help your business run its best. Online, slash business. Good to be with you. If uh, you were just kind of checking into sports for the day, you have already missed a day. What a win. Almost wasn't, but it was. What a win. It didn't matter how. It didn't matter what it looked like. The only thing that mattered was the final score. The only thing that mattered was whether or not you could put a check mark. In the column on the left hand side, Mississippi State did that. No pictures on Lunardi, the scorecard. No pictures on the scorecard, a little mixed sport analogy. And Joe, Joe Lunardi, if you believe him to be the minister of bracketology, the professor, the, uh, the 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 czar, the the king, the guy that knows everything, he said that's enough. Doesn't matter what else happens, Mississippi State with their win is in. The NCAA tournament. It took a little extra time, though. A little, a little overtime, Brian Haydad, and a career high for Tolu Smith for the Bulldogs to get it done.
3: A little extra time for uh, for the game. A little less time in my life now that some years have been taken off of it. Once again, by Mississippi State Sports. But you you would think I'd be dead by now. Is well, I was going to say it's like. Are you like Benjamin? Button, I, I might,
4: aging in reverse.
3: <laughs> I I could literally drop dead in this show. I might. That's how close I am to the window here.
4: But those moments um, take away. But then when the good thing happens, doesn't that add? Isn't there like no? A you balance don't get them back. You, you don't get them back.
3: There's no balance. You you don't get them back. It's it's just it's all the price you pay. Um, Tolu Smith has to, in my opinion, now has put his name up there with the best the Mississippi State basketball has to offer. Because not only Ever? is he going to go to the NCAA tournament, yeah, I, I would say so, because not only is he going to the NCAA tournament, he drug this team there. Who else do they have? I mean, they, they, they are the worst. You, know, you you made the comment when State played A&M about where State was in three-point shooting. They were three forty eight on that day. They're now dead last. They are the worst three-point shooting team in America. But Tolu Smith has put this team on his back and has now taken them into the big dance for the first time in five years. 28 points today, including the game winner. He, he just did it all for Mississippi State. When they needed a bucket, he was able to get it. This is a game that State probably could have won by 20 points if they had played their best game. But they it reminded me a lot of the game in Oxford, to be honest with you, where State got out to a double-digit lead, and then they give it up with turnovers, with missed shots. And But when they get into overtime, for the most part, they were okay, until they weren't. And then in the last minutes, they made it really, really interesting there. But thankfully, at the end, State had Tolu smith and Florida didn't.
2: State led, what, by 7 with a minute 38 to play in overtime? Is that right? I
3: think it was 6.
2: Okay, 6, 7, somewhere in there?
3: Something like that, yeah.
2: By the way, Ole Miss and Tennessee are playing right now, and Ole Miss leads 25-19 over Tennessee with 9.5 to go in the first half. Both teams shooting it pretty well early in this game.
4: I understand that it's Greg Sankey and not the announcer's dad, so it's a little bit more easy to digest. However, during a postseason game, I know it's the conference tournament, and I know what Ole Miss's record is, yeah. one-third of your screen should not be somebody in a tie <laughs> talking while game action is going on. And they've they've cut away from it, sure, but that should never be something that you do. Whoever's producing that, I want to just shake you and say, Greg Sankey's doing a great job. One-third of the screen should not be him during the course of play in a postseason game.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. And I'm a Greg Sankey fan, and I like him. And, you know, I mean, ESPN is one, one of my employers, secondary employer, but I agree that it's a poor decision. You have four games in the day, which means you have time between the first and second game, the second and third game, the third and fourth game, about half an hour each, which would be a great time to have the commissioner of the conference on television, not while a game is going on. I agree on that.
4: especially but featuring a really bit. good Tennessee team. Like It's not like this is South Carolina Ole Miss from last night. Th- that I get, I guess. But yeah, even but still... I, even last night, I think you would have been do,
2: doing a disservice. And it shows that you don't care as much about the game as you do the extra stuff. And look, I'm not... I'm not the one that jumps on the train all the time to criticize everything that goes on TV and everything the SEC network does. I know there are a lot of people that uh, that, that derive great joy from being television critics when maybe they don't really know all that much about it and what goes on behind the scenes. That's fine. I, I still think it's a poor decision. Um, yeah. b- because you were saying whatever we're talking about is more important than the teams that are playing right now, and it should happen between games. But... We don't have to lament that right now. Right now, we can celebrate. We, we can. Are we celebrate. sure? So Mississippi so let's start State there. in the NCAA tournament. let's, yeah, let's start we there. Are. We, we are sure because I mean, well, I, hold on, though, hold, hold on, hold on. But we need to do big picture. We need to do. Are you sure? Yeah. But I think before we get there, we need to give that game itself justice.
3: Great game. It was really good basketball game.
2: It was ugly for a long long time because neither team shot it particularly well. But you've got a Florida team that was playing its heart out, and it's a Florida team that lost its NCAA tournament chances when Colin Castleton went down. Right? I mean, when Colin Castleton was gone, they lost their tournament chances. But, man, they played hard down the stretch. They just didn't have enough firepower, and they didn't have an answer for Tolu Smith and how that game might have been different for Florida, how the end of the season could have been different for Florida if not for the Colin Castleton injury. But it wasn't. And in his absence, Tolu Smith was an absolute man. 28 points, 12 rebounds. He played 35 of the 45 minutes in the game. There was only one other Mississippi State player in double figures. Skillmore had 13. And what, 11 of that was in the first half? Twelve. 12, 12 of the 13 points. 12 of the points. first
3: eight minutes of the game.
2: Hey, Dad, Mississippi State did things today that caused you to lose games, and yet they still won. They were 2 of 14 from behind the arc, and they shot 14%. They missed 11 free throws, 17 of 28. 61% mm-hmm. could have cost them the game, mm-hmm. and yet they still found a way to do it. They turned it
3: over 20 times. Oh gosh! Oh, I mean yeah. plus plus
2: nine on the boards, and plus nine on the offensive boards.
3: That's that's the difference. And and what this game sort of what I saw as I was watching it was, you know, Florida for the game. I mean, I have the stats up here. Hold on one second. Eight of eight of what? Eight of thirty-five from behind the arc. Not good for them either, right? Twenty-two percent. Mm-hmm. That's what would have happened Saturday night in Nashville, but Vanderbilt was hot from behind the line, not cold from behind the line. The games played out exactly the same. The two teams, the, the Vanderbilt had no answer for Tolu Smith. Neither did Florida. The difference is Vandy made their three point shots, and Florida didn't. If Florida made their three point shots today, they win this game going away. But by that same token, how many looks at the rim did Mississippi State miss? Five, six, seven, more than that. I mean, Tolu Smith, as as great a day as he had, he was nine of nineteen from the fi- the floor. I would tell you that all nineteen of his shots came within three feet of the bucket. So, I mean, he could have had thirty five, forty points today if he had shot the ball better. Mm. So, it was an ugly game, but it was also a really compelling and exciting game if you were a neutral uh, observer.
4: That, that's them, though, right? All the ugly stuff that they're almost ugly every night offensively and and, and things like that. Somebody asked me earlier
3: they preferred you know, ugly
4: yeah it, like how how are they doing this and it's uh, my response was they've got a really 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 good big that helps but otherwise it's just they outwork you they out tough you they out hustle you they suffocate you defensively everything else looks like a mess but that's how it's just defense a really 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 good big and they out tough and outwork people
2: and, and you know what, Borky, it's a, a really good point. I would take it just one step further. Mississippi State is incredibly athletic. They are very, very athletic. But you've got athletic teams out there that don't use their athleticism in the best way possible. Chris Jans know, knows he's got an athletic, an athletic team, but not a great basketball team. And so what does he do? He exploits the athleticism through what they do defensively. And that's their identity. And so what? This was game 32 on the season. Picked up their 21st win. And what? 28 of them look like that? Ugly?
4: Yeah.
2: They got 21 wins. They're ninth against an SEC team today. And they are headed to the big dance. We'll be back.
1: Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I,
4: I see that face. You know this.
3: You know I know it. What a great song. You can't play the whole song on the air, though.
2: Was the very beginning of that what MTV used? On the little, like, no, you it was just, just the, the little the black screen with the... Am I Is that what it said at the very beginning I mean, was MTV?
3: It said, I want my MTV. Okay. That used to be MTV's slogan back in the day. Yeah, but I'm saying, didn't they use that? Like you would get the
2: black screen with just the MTV logo with that little MTV? Am I I just making
3: that part of it up? You are. That may have been the easy listening MTV channel that you listen to. I don't know.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV. Let's get you up to date with what's happening right now in Nashville. Uh, Four minutes. 20 seconds to go in the first half. Ole Miss and Tennessee are tied at 31. Listen to these numbers. Ole Miss is shooting 50% from the field, 11 of 22. They are 5 of 9 from 3. That's 56%. Tennessee 13 of 23 from the field, 57%. 45% from behind the arc, 5 of 11. Tennessee has not shot a free throw in the game. Ole Miss 4 out of 6. Again, tied at 31 Miles Burns has 10 points for Ole Miss. Where did Miles Burns emerge? From where did he emerge late in the year? Because he's been playing really, really well. I think averaging... Eh, I'd be making a number up. Never mind. Um, he's played really well over the last few games. 10 points for Miles Burns. Eight points for Jamin Brakefield. He's made both of his threes so far today. And then a bunch of scattered scoring other than that. Tennessee... Uh, led by Josiah James with eight points in the game. They've gotten seven from uh, some guy whose last name I can't pronounce. Pescovy's got five points, a couple of assists. And he's basically having to go the distance for Tennessee now in the absence of Ziegler. Ziegler out with a knee injury. He was the backup point guard. Could Have they named sixth man of the year yet? Did they give that award out? I saw Player of the Year. I would assume that six. Yes, yeah, so it was year. Quinterly. Okay, Javon Quinterly from Alabama. I don't have a big problem with that. Nah, Although it took, nah. ca- he played really well down the stretch as the sixth man. He just missed like half the season or a while of it. Yeah. Anyway, good game. I guess is the the larger point that I was making in Nashville. Good games last night. Last night the two games combined were tied were excuse me decided by eleven points. That is the smallest combined margin of victory on the opening night of the SEC tournament ever, in conjunction with having the largest opening night crowd at the SEC tournament ever. They had a little over fourteen thousand. Yeah. Last night, it looked and sounded great.
4: Move the SEC headquarters to Nashville. Ooh. Do I it. Say. Oh.
2: I thought you were just saying move the tournament forever.
4: Well, that too. But, I mean, that that's the epicenter of the SEC. I, I like Birmingham, and they've done a really good job uh, with, with downtown, and it's improved so much, and it, apparently it's a great place to live, all that. Move the SEC offices and everything the SEC does to Nashville. It's not a home city. You know, Vanderbilt doesn't count here. Um yeah, what what do you gain though by moving office space? Uh, you know, honestly, perception. You, t- you you take an arrow out of the quiver of the conspiracy theorists. That would help.
2: Yeah. So what happens when Tennessee gets good?
4: They're far away. <laughs> yeah, the mm-hmm. question would be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt yeah. would be Florida. Yeah, 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 I guess so.
2: I hear what you're saying. I, I don't, I don't care where the offices are. And by the way, Nashville, the booming metropolis that it is, the SEC not going to get quite as good a real estate deal as they have uh, on, uh, what is it? Richard Arrington Boule- uh, Boulevard, yeah. where they pay $1 a year in rent for their office space. That's crazy. That's
4: a good deal. That's better than what the Pac-12 paid for their downtown San Francisco office space. You remember oh, that story? Man,
2: yeah. I mean, the <laughs> SEC would be paying a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, maybe a few hundred thousand dollars a month for a comparable space in downtown Nashville. As opposed
4: to the $10 million a year that they were paying in San Francisco. I can't believe that conference has gone bankrupt and everybody wants to leave and they don't have any money in future prospects. I- I'm shocked by that. But anyway. Tennessee has gotten
2: hot in this game. They lead it by three, but they have made six of their last shots while Ole Miss has missed its last four, and that's why Tennessee has uh, turned that deficit just uh, just a little bit. Tennessee has led by as much as four. Ole Miss has led by as much as six. Tennessee now has led – oh, wait, that's an Ole Miss basket. One point. Uh, eight ties and eight lead changes in the first half. Good game. Really good game. All right. Borky, so you started down this road uh, a little while ago, and I was like, hold on, let's get to it in a minute. So here we are, a minute or
4: so later. A few, but is it, because everybody is comfortable, like all the state fans I've seen, everybody's like, yep, in, done, it's mm-hmm. done, we are making the tournament, get ready to book your play, like all good, we're going. Yep. Is that confidence rooted in? In reality, did this win seal the deal for Mississippi State, relatively speaking? I, I don't so.
3: think it's.
2: I don't think it's even relatively
3: so. speaking. I think it sealed the deal. I think, and I think it's also it's they're in the sixty four, not the sixty eight. They won't be going to Dayton.
2: Yeah, you know, I might feel a little less confident of that part of it. Simply because we don't know how these other conference tournaments are going to play out. True. I, I think that's likely. That's where that's where Lunardi's got them. They've got them in the big bracket. Um, let's see. His most recent update had Mississippi State as the last of the last four buys. I don't know if that, let's see that was at two o'clock, so that does not reflect their win. So maybe they move up a couple of spots based on that. Borky, here's why I'm sure about that answer. And and by the way, I should have learned my lesson about speaking in absolutes. But yes, I think Mississippi State is in. <laughs> you know, if I'm presented with new information, I'm open to changing my mind. But I think Mississippi State is in because a loss to Alabama tomorrow doesn't hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they have to beat Alabama to solidify their spots. where I just, I, I think house money. So, why do you think they're in? Hey, Dad.
3: Well, I thought they could have been in the past month if they had just won one more game. If they had beaten Kentucky, if they had beaten one at Missouri, if they had won the game on Saturday at Vanderbilt and gotten to five hundred in the conference, I think they would have. They would have been in. But I mean, the net—I I have to see what it goes up to. We will see tomorrow. But I mean, I imagine it's going to be low 40s, uh, high 30s. They have quality wins, including non-conference wins. The win at Marquette is a really—I really, mean, that's as good a win as anybody on like that's close to the bubble probably think has.
4: He's champion Marquette, um, right?
3: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then. Regular season, yeah, and then the win over TCU is also a very good win. You know even win. that was it's at home, but it's it's a good win. and, and you so have win at over Arkansas, Arkansas. Utah is a, is a is a decent win. It's 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 not a quad one win. Yeah, it's it, still it, a good it,
2: win. and it has not held up. Utah currently yeah. is not projected to be in the tournament.
3: Mid, midway through the season, that was a quad one win for State, and Utah has just fallen off since then. But they have good wins. They don't, and and sort of going back to what we talked about with Mark Wise yesterday, they don't have bad losses. Mm -hmm. The only loss they have that's that's remotely bad is the loss at Georgia, when they you know they just played as poorly as they could play in that game, and that was early in conference play, and and they haven't had a bad loss since then. So I think that combination of having some really good wins and not having any bad losses puts you in.
2: So that uh,
4: another question I have. If that's okay, we're up against a heartbreak, so we'll come back and address it if you feel like it.
2: Tennessee hits a three from the corner going into the locker room to take a six-point lead into the half. 39-33, Tennessee. And so they close the half. uh, Well, I guess I should say Ole Miss closes the half, half missing seven of its last eight shots.
4: There's the Ole Miss team we know. (laughs) Anyway, um, this exact Mississippi State team with the exact record that they have against the exact teams that they beat 10 years ago or whatever date you want to use do they make the tournament and i ask that way because of the sec's improvement like at what point would this record have not been enough cuz we've we've seen it in the past right but because the league's improvement you Let's talk
2: about that next. Yeah. I mean I think we need to flesh that out a little bit. I think mean, it's a it's a reasonable question. Sports talk Mississippi streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Quick timeout. We'll be right back with you.
1: Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station.
2: Sports Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. If you're curious about Double Decker, which is Friday, April 28th, and Saturday, April 29th, just click on the Double Decker Arts Festival link on the website. Music lineup is uh, it's a really good one. Starts at 6.15 on Friday night with the stews. And then at 7.45 on Friday night, you've got Chapel Heart. And then Ashley McBride at 9 o'clock. Big day of music to get started at 11 o'clock on Sunday with the Mississippians' Jazz Ensemble, followed by Vuk, uh, Vufarka Touré at uh, 12.30. Sensational Barnes Brothers at 2.00. Later in the afternoon, 3.30, you got Southern Af- uh, Avenue, then Lissy at 5 o'clock. Blackberry Smoke at 6.30. And it will all wrap up on the big stage at 8.30 with... Grammy Award-nominated Marcus King. That's the music lineup for the Double Decker Arts Festival. For more, go to visitoxfordms.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Hayden at halftime in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena. Balls with a six-point lead over Ole Miss, 39-33 at the break. Earlier today, Mississippi State in overtime with a nice win over the Florida Gators, 69-68.
3: I had to work to not put that in the article.
2: So, Borky, you brought the question up a second ago. If you want to rewind uh, about a decade, maybe seven years, seven, eight years, the SEC was kind of wandering around in the basketball wilderness. The wilderness th- three teams in the NCAA tournament. Mike Slive, still the commissioner of the SEC at the time, and they said – we got to make a change. It is not acceptable for the SEC to be an an afterthought or an also-ran when it comes to college basketball. And so there was an emphasis on scheduling better. There was an emphasis to schools on when you make a change, let's make a change where you work your way up in terms of coaches that you are bringing in. You have seen an influx of coaches to the point That you look around the league right now, and you've got Rick Barnes at Tennessee. you got Bruce Pearl at Auburn. you got Cal at Kentucky. Chris Jans is on the verge of taking his second different team to an NCAA tournament. You've got young coaches in Columbia, Missouri, where they're headed to the NCAA tournament for the first time in a while with the first-year head coach. Future looks pretty good with Todd Golden at Florida. I think Georgia is going to find stability with Mike White. Matt McMahon's LSU team last night played its heart out in that game. And uh, and and they got a win over Georgia. They're re- Eric Musselman at Arkansas. Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt. And it looks like it's about to be Chris Beard at Ole Miss. Not to mention Texas and Oklahoma coming into the league in two years. The SEC has turned into My a goodness. really good basketball league. And it started...
3: And it's going to get eight in this year, and if Vanderbilt can do a, have a decent weekend, maybe nine.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that happened because the league kind of put its foot down and said, no, we're not going to be an afterthought in basketball. So, Borky, the, the question that you were asking a second ago, Mississippi State going 8-10 and 10 in league play with a win in the tournament. If you want to rewind to whatever that date and time was, and the SEC got three in, would that resume have been good enough for Mississippi State? I don't think so.
3: Well, I mean, there was a time you can go back where twenty-one wins you definitely would be in. I mean, that, that that was just there was a time when twenty wins got you into the NCAA tournament, and then we started taking things like RPI and now net more seriously. You now you are where you are now. But so you also I played think, fewer yeah. games
2: then. You didn't have those multi-team events, the, the MTMs, where you could play usually if you three were, games that only counted as one game, and you know,
3: if you were twenty, if you had twenty wins, you were probably something like twenty and eight. Or twenty and seven. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It makes what you're saying makes sense.
2: And and now but, you're, yeah, you're, you're one right. in the regular season.
3: Yeah, like six, seven years ago, yeah, I eight and ten, you you were in an IT team. No question about it. So it's now, crazy, now, right? Because I mean, and it just,
4: sounds like it's diminishing what they did. It's not. It it just goes to show that the amount of bad losses that exist in the SEC this season was two? One and a half. I mean, it was only South Carolina that really would destroy you if you lost to them. Otherwise, don't do it at home with, with Old Miss. Don't lose to Old Miss at home. You know, for a time, don't lose to Vanderbilt at home. But h- how many bad losses existed to have in the league this year? LSU. You know, LSU. Uh, skipped over that one.
3: I mean that's but so that's, that's you know the sign that the conference has gotten better. Yeah. You know, that's why eight and ten gets you considered now is because the SEC is a high RPI conference. You know it wasn't that long ago that there were really only four teams playing basketball in the SEC. There was Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, and then sometimes Mississippi State. Those were the top four teams, and you know everybody in the conference has done a really good job. Everybody of upgrading at coach, upgrading their facilities. And upgrading their recruiting, and now you've got a you have a real basketball conference. You know, think about what the ACC is now versus what it was, you know, ten years ago, and then compared to the SEC. I mean, the SEC and the ACC are kind of comparable as basketball conferences now, and you could never have said that a decade oh,
2: ago. Oh, I I don't I, like in in the moment that we are in right now, and it can ebb and mm-hmm. flow. I know the SEC or the ACC had a team play for the national championship last year. The SEC is. Better, maybe better by a lot better this right year. now than the ACC.
3: That's because, you know, North Carolina is down. That's one of the, you know, that's a team you expect to be up. Florida State's had a terrible year. That's been a pretty consistent program in the ACC. My guess yeah. is they'll bounce back. But, you know, yeah, my, my point is, like, nowadays is I guess what I'm saying. Those are pretty comparable. But, you know, 10 years ago, no, not even close.
2: Yeah, right now the SEC is projected to have eight teams in. The ACC mm-hmm. has five. Wow. Yeah. ACC North Carolina got two is on not one of those North teams. Carolina and Clemson are the two on the bubble. And the SEC has one bubble team in addition to the eight that are locked in.
4: The SEC is really coming for total college sports domination. It, it really is because like, – And how about the Pac-12? It's got three teams in. Oh, my gosh. And they're going to lose one of those two. Is Arizona going to get in?
3: Arizona? Yeah, they're projected as 2 So yeah, yeah,
4: they're going to they're lose, very soon, going to lose one to the Big 12. Two. Both UCLA, well, USC is,
2: yeah, USC's in. USC and UCLA so, are both in the tournament. Both
4: of those teams will be in the Big 10 next year. So those, those three teams that are going to make the tournament, two are confirmed gone. Another one is... They're they're getting close to making that deal done. Talk about, about Arizona and Arizona State. Yeah, the what do they call it? The the four corner states: Arizona, yeah. Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. Colorado, That's
3: right? Yeah.
4: There's a, a, another report this morning that those are the four that the Big Twelve are targeting, and those conversations are going well. So the Pac-12 so, might lose their basketball teams. All right. All so so
2: the, the 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 Pac-12 has three teams in and two on the bubble. UCLA projected one seed headed to the Big Ten. Arizona, projected two seed, maybe headed to the Big 12. USC, projected 10 seed, headed to the Big Ten. Arizona State, first four out, bubble team, maybe headed to the Big 12, and then you got to work in the next four out. Who wants
4: out but doesn't know where to go? What a mess. What a mess! But total uh, college sports domination because it, it's not just that like the schools are invested and stuff, fans are too. Like you've got mm-hmm. really good environments in the SEC too now. So when when you've got the the money and the athletes, and then now the the, the give a crap for lack of a better phrase, it, it, football, baseball, softball, golf, men's and women's. Now women's basketball is – the SEC has got a – they've got the the class of the sport in South Carolina. I mean, Tennessee Mm -hmm. has their history. Mississippi State has their history. It's about to be a full college sport domination by one league. It's getting close to that. I mean,
3: did you mention softball? Mention softball. The SEC totally dominates softball. Owns it now. now in fairness,
2: in fairness, Which Oklahoma dominates softball. But they're fixing to have them, and will be part of the SEC starting two years from now.
3: I mean, the SEC was it? Was it last year or maybe two years ago? All thirteen teams got in. It happened the in consecutive years. I don't
2: know if it was last year. <laughs> yeah. I know two years ago and three years ago that was the case.
3: Yeah, and then now they said Oklahoma's coming. So yeah,
2: and so is Texas. Texas is also really good in women's college softball. Imagine that. But it stands to reason, right? Because there,
4: there there are more resources. And it just means more. It's There are more players, a higher concentration of players. I mean, let's mess around in that hockey and, and see what we can do. Mm. Four men's soccer?
2: That would be great, but... Yeah. Probably not going to happen. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Super Talk TV, just underway in the second half. Tennessee leading 41-33 over Ole Miss with about 19 minutes to play. We'll take a timeout and wrap up the first hour of the show when we come back.
1: Hot FM. Sports. <laughs> this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: To talk some baseball to begin the four o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Teddy Cahill from Baseball America will join us as we go toward the uh, move toward the final weekend of non conference play. Hard to believe that a week from today we will be on the eve of the start of SEC play in basketball, or in baseball. Hmm. Gets here in a hurry. Love it. Uh, Nine-point lead for Tennessee, 46-37 at the under-16 media timeout. So, uh, breaking the action in Nashville. Uh, coming up in the next game, I mean, a wildly fascinating game with Arkansas and Auburn. Both are projected to be in the tournament, and I don't think there's anything that's going to change there, but neither where they really want to be, and probably neither is comfortable as they would uh, would like to be in the big picture. There is a another Mississippi thing that is happening today in the sports world. Round one of the players is happening at uh, TPC Sawgrass in Ponte Vedra Beach. Hey, Dad. Normally, I know you would just tune out. You might want to stick with me for this because what? the round the right. round one leader, the Players Championship, is a guy by the name of Chad. Ramey, former Mississippi State golfer, fired a first-round 64-8 under par. He has a one-shot lead over Khaled Morikawa, who is also in the clubhouse. Several guys uh, at four under par. you got one at, at five under, Taylor Penderis from Canada. Bigger group at four under, including Minwoo Lee, Denny McCarthy, Christian Bazudenhout, Adam Svensson, Scotty Thank Scheffler. Thank you. Jordan Spieth on the course right now. He's at 3-under. Uh, Jason Day, a little bit of a career renaissance for him. He's at 3-under. Sam Burns, 2-under. That's a name that uh, Steve Jent mentioned yesterday, given the way that he's been playing. It's a cool event. It's one of those events that, that everybody recognizes, if for no other reason, because of the iconic 17th hole.
4: Yeah. What, 38-yard par 3? Something like that. Ramey's not a cool no story, too, shot. man. Small-town Mississippi guy. Mm-hmm. Spent years with no status on tour, or any tour, not even like the minor league tour. So that that is essentially a professional baseball player that uh, can't even get on a single-A team. It, it, he spent years that way, trying to make it, couldn't do it, trying to make it, couldn't do it. Finally cracks through. And takes off and becomes a quality player. I, I mean, still got to uh, win. Got to win. Um, practices or, or did practice and train on a nine-hole course without a range in Fulton. In Fulton, because because that's what he does. And it, it's just one of those cool stories that that you get in sports sometimes, where this this small-town nobody that that couldn't break through and then finally does and just takes that bull by the horns and. Doesn't let go. So
2: congratulations. Great start to Chad Ramey. A lot of golf to go on a difficult golf course that is likely to get more difficult as it goes. Uh, another person points out on the ceasefire text line that Mississippi and Hayden Buckley had a hole in one on 17 this morning. Thought he hit it a little long. He was asking it to sit, sit, sit. It sat, it caught the ridge, it trickled back down to the hole and then went bottom of the cup. So, Rest of his round did not go quite as well, but uh, that's a really cool moment. You'll never, never take that one away. Hey, Dad, I think Old Miss fans would fall into this category if a year from now or two years from now they found themselves back in the NCAA tournament. I'm wondering if you forgot how to get ready for the NCAA tournament, and and here's what I mean by that: like, it, you know, it's it's been a minute for Mississippi State, but when the Bulldogs were going basically every year under Rick Stansberry. You you knew what the sites were. You knew where the regional finals were. You knew where the Final Four was. Are you a little bit rusty on that stuff. Have you, have you had to go? Okay, all right. So wh- they're in. Where where could they potentially go? Yeah. All of that some stuff. Of that.
3: Some of that. I, I've I've known. I knew some of the regional sites because we've been talking about them. I know Birmingham's got them, and that's one where Mississippi State would love to be. Obviously, Ooh, probably won't. Yeah. Um, the one they're projected in um, in the latest bracketology is in Denver, so up in the Mile High City. Um, so yeah, you know, it's been more for me. It's like I never watch the selection show when Mississippi State's not involved because I can just I'm not interested in like the whole way they drag it out. And it's just like I, I just I'll look at the bracket when it's over and make my picks. I don't I don't need all the drama of an hour to to announce 64 teams. So, I, you know, that's something I'll have to do. I remember the last one, too, was funny. It was uh, They actually had the media in the room with the team in 19, and uh, you think, okay, we're going to be here for a little while, and there'll be some fun, and State wasn't the first thing they popped up. So got out of there quick that day.
2: The, uh, the eight first-round sites, Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Amway Center in Orlando, Golden One Center in Sacramento, MVP Arena in Albany, New York, Nationwide Arena, Columbus, Ohio, Ball Arena in Denver, and Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Welcome
2: back, Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line. But right now we go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Teddy Cahill joins us from Baseball America. Quick basketball update, second-round game in the SEC tournament, Ole Miss and Tennessee, uh, 10 ten fifty eight to play, Tennessee with a seven-point lead up, 55-48. Ole Miss beat South Carolina last night. This is the first game of the tournament for the Vols. Teddy, great to catch up with you, man, as we, uh, we start weekend number three of the season. What have you seen so far as it pertains to SEC teams that jumps off the page at you?
5: Well, you know, I, I think that... I came into the season expecting that Florida was going to have a really good offense, but I didn't realize that Jack Caglione was going to have 11 home runs uh, at this point of the season. So that that's been pretty loud. Just seeing the way that everything has come together offensively for the Gators. Um, hey, Teddy, I'll I'm going to interrupt
2: on. you. I, did, did you see this on Twitter last night? I, I'd love to. Cra- I don't remember. I don't remember which Twitter account it was, but somebody put a picture of him hitting another home run, and it said Cagliotani.
5: I yeah, I mean, good. I, 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 the, in Florida, uh, one of their beat writers, um, Nick De La Torre, has been calling him Jack Tani. Uh, it's uh, it's I, at first when when that kind of talk started in, I guess I was in like January that some people in Florida started getting excited about it. I was like, well, okay, like, let's see how it goes. And then he's leading the nation in home runs here, uh, you know, in, in early March. And mm-hmm. he's been a key member of the rotation. It's uh, it's starting to become more real to me. Um We'll see how it, how it goes in SEC play, but it's uh, he's, he's really special. Um, so that's been exciting. And I think what Georgia and South Carolina have done, those two teams were, you know, I thought they'd be good this year, but I wasn't quite sure how good. And so them beating ACC opponents in their rivalry series last weekend, I thought was significant. And they've both started the year really well offensively too, uh, which isn't surprising, but, but I think is important for both of those clubs.
2: I think those are all good things, and it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Because outside Georgia Tech, a little banged up, and Clemson was the first test that South Carolina had had this year, and they were able to win two out of three. I do think that getting into league play and seeing how those teams continue to uh, to play is uh, is something worth watching. Uh, what about if we pull it back a little closer to uh, to Mississippi? Your your two and a half three week impressions: Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and, and Southern Miss.
5: Well, I think Ole Miss has been really good, maybe about what I would have expected, especially when you consider that they've been without Hunter Elliott the last couple weeks. Uh, And I think it's important that he, uh, you know, they got the news that that he should be able to return this season. And they got the start that they got from Jack Doherty last week. I I thought all of that has come together pretty well. The offense has been rolling right along. They're still working some things out on the mound, it seems like. But I I think that uh, they've been in a good place so far. Southern Miss. I actually just wrote about them today at baseballamerica.com, and um, it's been a little up and down to this point. But eight and four, uh, given the competition that they've played, I think is is pretty good. Especially getting sweeps of, of DBU and Liberty, I think that'll uh, be pretty look pretty good on their resume. Come March, uh, they're also definitely still trying to figure it out on the mound. The rotation seems set. They seem like they've found a couple guys they can rely on in the bullpen. Now they just have to figure out how to expand that. And, you know, given what Christian Ostrander has been able to do as the pitching coach there uh, and the talent they've collected, I feel confident they will figure it out. But what you've seen in the midweeks against Mississippi state and Ole Miss is probably indicative of the fact that they don't have the depth that they had a year ago. So the offense is going to have to make up for that. And to this Mm -hmm. point, it hasn't. Uh, But I I feel like they'll be okay as, um, as the season continues. Mississippi State is just confusing. At this point, it's been up and down. Uh they're looking for consistency, they haven't found it. And look, with as many new faces as they have on that roster, that's to be expected. If you look at teams like Auburn and A&M a year ago, which also went heavily into the portal like Mississippi State did uh, over the summer, they took it took them time to figure things out before they became Omaha clubs. Um so Mississippi State hopes that they're on that kind of path, but I'm not surprised that they have had you know, these these very inconsistent uh, swings w- within the, the first few weeks of the season.
2: Teddy, I did something a couple of days ago just for giggles. Uh, I pulled up the, the RPI, which is, I mean, you, you want to talk about an exercise in futility at this point of the season. I mean, th- this is the time of year where you see um, LSU win a game and drop 17 spots, Ole Miss – win a single game, and they move up 32 spots. I mean, the, the the moves are dramatic. So I would ask you this, because people have become slaves to these formulas, right, whether it's the net in basketball or the RPI in baseball, whatever it is that's going to de- determine postseason. And so people are, are naturally curious, when is the proper time to start looking at and caring about
1: RPI?
5: We're still a couple weeks away from it. Um, you know, I will... Within the next week or two, I'll probably start looking more seriously at it. Like, um, I'm aware of what's happening sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I don't look at it on a daily basis. I, I I do pop it open every once in a while early in the season. But we're still a couple weeks away from it. I, I'd say probably two weeks get in, one week of, uh, of SEC play uh, before we can really look at it. And even then, you know, we do have to acknowledge that, that it still will be a little – uh, you know, like you mentioned, it, you can get wild swings just based on a game or a weekend. But I think mm-hmm. it will start to firm up uh, w- within a couple weeks. And the games all matter the same. So what, what's happening now matters. Uh, but, yeah, right now it's, it's open to pretty wild fluctuations.
2: So this weekend, final weekend before non-conference play, most of the tournaments have, have settled down. This is kind of a tune-up week for everybody before they jump into league play, at least in, uh, in the SEC. So let's skip over this weekend. Let's just kind of assume that, generally speaking, the results are good. Ole Miss, in the opening weekend of league play, heads to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt. Vandy's been kind of interesting so far. They they are not a great team, but they're not a bad team. They've got talented arms. You assume that they're going to swing it okay, although they haven't been great. What, What is that series going to look like to start conference play?
5: That one's really interesting because not only do you have these two teams that we think are top 10 teams but you have two teams that are kind of coming at it from different different ways so mm-hmm. is is old offense going to win out or is vanderbilt's pitching going to win out and if uh you know if if vanderbilt gets to play the series it wants to play then Ole Miss might be in trouble like are they actually going to be able to outpitch vanderbilt on the road that feels unlikely but if they're able to take it to vanderbilt's pitching is Vanderbilt's offense going to be able to keep up with them also feels a little unlikely. The one thing about Vanderbilt's offense so far is that, yes, it's been, it, it the numbers don't look good. If you look at sec, like, uh, you know, stats they're at the bottom of, of most of the categories right now, but they've also played a pretty difficult schedule, especially relative to teams like, uh, like South Carolina that did nothing before playing Clemson. Um, so you know, it's hard to know exactly what Vanderbilt is, but I, I do feel comfortable saying that they're not going to be super offensive. They're not going to be very powerful. They're going to try and beat you with their pitching. So oldness's bats are going to have their work cut out for them, but holding holding the Rebels down for 27 innings is going to be a tough task for anyone. So I actually kind of like Ole Miss's chances on the road there right now, uh, but it's, uh, I, I'm fascinated by that series. Same thing for
2: Mississippi State. They go on the road to start league play, but they go to Lexington, Kentucky. And and who knows what the weather is going to be, right? I mean, that's just one of the factors that, that you look at in an early season conference series in Lexington. It might be 38 or it might be 68, and, and you hope it's 68. But it feels to me like this is about as good an opportunity for a, a good start in league play for Mississippi State as exists this year.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's... uh it's a reasonable uh, expectation that you know Kentucky is probably going to be you know down there near the bottom of the East. That that's what we're expecting. I also like it as a test for Mississippi State's offense because you know that ballpark plays big to begin with, which is a change from how things used to be in Lexington. Yeah. Uh, and then it, you're right. If it's cold, it's going to play even more to the pitcher's advantage. Um, maybe that's good for Mississippi State because right now its pitching staff could use an assist. I feel like. Uh, but it also does kind of take away from what the Bulldogs do best, at least right now, which is, is swing the bats. So they're going to have to keep up with a pretty good Kentucky pitching staff, uh, and going on the road is uh, is never easy in this league. But, you know, if they had to go on the road, that is probably the place that you would pick.
2: Final thing for you, Teddy, we've only got a minute left. It's crazy how if you look at Mississippi State's schedule and Ole Miss's schedule, they are the inverse. Ole Miss has a murderer's row for like the first six weeks, and then a chance to maybe pile up some wins at the end. Mississippi State needs to pile up wins in the first half of the season because their final four weekends are insane.
5: Yeah, that, that's tough, and I, I think it's uh, you know it's it's important that, that Mississippi State find its footing uh, yeah. for a number of reasons. You know, not the least of which is that they're still just trying to figure out who they are. So maybe that's better for who they are as a team uh, because you know if they if they got Punched in the face right away. Sometimes in the SEC, you get into it's yeah. easy to, to tailspin, and, and you don't Could want to, well. especially after what happened.
2: Could very well be the case. Thanks as always, Teddy. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot.
1: Let's go to the junction in the grove and to the top. Sports Talk, Mississippi on Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: 14-point lead for Tennessee, 6'10 to play second half. It's 64-50. Balls with the lead. on headed to the free throw line. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Book your tee time. Plan your trip today. That's at dancingrabbitgolf.com.
4: I know we've done this before. Uh, go ahead. I was gonna say, so that one's over. Um, oh, not yet. I, I know we have to. You want to go there yet?
2: No, no. I I just want to. This is for me because of my train of thought and where my brain was headed. Hold that thought just for a second. No problem. Because we got to do that justice. I just wanted to follow up quickly on something that we've talked about before and kind of put a bow on the conversation with Teddy. Because I know a lot of you, e- even though you're very much in baseball season mode, you haven't studied the schedules, the league schedules for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And, and hey, Dan, I go back to what I was talking about just a second ago. All right, so Kentucky week one, need to win the series. Sweep would be great, Got to w- need to win that series. Mm-hmm. Vandy at home week two. <laughs> South Carolina week three, better than most people thought, but it's at home as well. At Alabama, week four, maybe better than some people thought they were going to be. Series you need to win. Ole Miss at the halfway point, rivalry series.
3: Then I just need one in that in that series, just one.
2: Then you got to go to Auburn, which is no picnic, by the way. And then it is,
3: and then at Tennessee.
2: at, at, at Bork, you listen to this. At Tennessee, Arkansas, at LSU, Texas A&M.
3: And you finish your season out with, I mean, that's that's all four of those teams. I mean, what, two of them were in Omaha last year. One is the number one team in the nation right now. One was number one all of last year, and it's still really good. Yeah. And it's the inverse for Ole Miss, right? Right at Vandy
2: on the road in the opening weekend of league play. And then they come home for, for Florida. By the way, if you have not seen this kid, Jack Caglione play, they a two-way guy. He's their number three starter, and he leads the country in home runs. And when I say number three starter, I'm not talking about a guy that they roll out there that's like 84 to 87 with the fastball, and he mixes in a little curveball, and they hope they can get five out of him. Like, he's going out there and shoving he was at 96 in the seventh inning last Sunday. Like, it's like, oh, uh, oh, okay. So that's week two. Then on the road against Texas a and then home against Arkansas, then at Mississippi State, then home against LSU. And it gets a little better at the end, Georgia, at Mizzou, Auburn, and at Bama. Whew. We'll see. If you're going to win this league this year,
4: You're going to have some dudes. The whole league's got dudes. That's why, but that magnifies the issue with Mississippi State. It's if you make mistakes, you get beat in this league. If you make as many mistakes as they do, you are non competitive in this league.
2: Mm hmm.
3: Yes. Doesn't matter how talented you are. That's what they were at the. That's so what they were at the end of the season last year. That's when all the mistakes really started piling up, and that's when they fell out, you know. I mean, they, they win the series against Ole Miss, and then from there, just no good.
2: And, and look, I think Kentucky's probably the worst team in the league. Had no disrespect to Nick Mingione, and, and maybe they turn out not to be when it's all said and done. But the worst team in the league could win nine or ten league games, which means yeah. somebody's collecting some losses to, in, to the hands of Kentucky.
3: So I said on the podcast, and I'll say it here again, that State has has ten games between last Sunday and the Vanderbilt the first game with Vanderbilt Friday, the the twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. They they need to be nine and one in those games. You're good. Oh, I figure they I probably I think they'd sweep Kentucky. But they oh, need to win all of the non conference games and they need to beat they need to take the series in Kentucky. And if they do that, and I think they would be 16-6 and six playing Vanderbilt, at that point you can say, okay, whatever happens with Vanderbilt, just don't get swept, and you go from there. But I mean, if you lose any of these non-conference, if you lose the game to Lipscomb this weekend, hey, if you lose to Nichols or Louisiana or to Arkansas State, I mean, it's just over.
2: I'm not being flippant when I say this. Lipscomb gave Auburn all it wanted last weekend
3: mm-hmm.
2: in baseball. I mean, Auburn had like a, like a walk-off 12 to 11 win that was mixed in. I mean, look, look, Lipscomb's five and eight, but they've got two wins over Notre Dame in the opening weekend of the series. And they got beat at Auburn seven to three, 12 to 11 and four to three. Mississippi State better play, and they better play well this weekend against Lipscomb. Just, just worth watching. All right, Borky, we can transition out of that now. Sorry, I just my, my brain needed to to like, um, like, like have a linear moment where we went from the 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 conversation with Teddy Cahill into that. Let's 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 put a bow on it. So, yeah.
4: uh, it's a simple question. It, it seems like Old Miss is going to get beat. Is that what they've been waiting for, on a formal leak, if you will, or announcement, whatever comes first, of Chris Beard to Ole Miss? Yeah, they've just been waiting on the team to get beat so they can get home before they can do this deal, or is there something holding it up, or are they just kind of still working on? Like, do, to your knowledge, what what's going on? Because when. Pete Dammel's story was not breaking that the hire was done. That was kind of like, hey, looks like that's where this is going. But when Peter Burns pretty emphatically last night on the conference's network says it's happening, kind of changes things a little bit. I know local guys have been on it and they've done a really good job, but it's different when the league's network is like, this is happening. What's the hang-up? The hang-up is the team still playing. So that's that. That's it. You think is now that they're eliminated? The, the... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that like we're going to get an official announcement before we go off the air no. today. I mean, the game's got
2: what two and a half minutes left, and they do. I, I mean, I don't think it's coming like that. But I don't even know if you get it tomorrow. Look, I mean, it's hard to keep it in. But if I roll miss, I'm waiting till Monday or Tuesday to announce it. I just am, or Sunday. Oh well, Selection Sunday. I guess it would get lost in the shuffle on Sunday. Yeah, oh, well. but
4: I had somebody yeah, ask sense. me. I had somebody ask me yesterday. What, what can they do from a PR perspective? You know, what can it's they keep, do to minimize the their damage? Mouth shut? And that was my answer. Just wear it. Just wear it for 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 forty eight hours. And whether you agree with the hire, if you think it's great or you think it's terrible or somewhere in between. Ole Miss is going to have to wear it for about forty-eight hours, and then guess what's going to happen.
2: And and, and look, the truth is this: you're going to have a somewhat of a social media backlash. You're going to get a couple of USA Today stories, and maybe a couple of other national writers that you know act like they are aghast oh, that, I mean, that this has happened. Yana yeah,
4: well, I guarantee. On my life, that Yahoo will yeah. also be one. Well, maybe. And now, oh, wait, he went, is 40 with, uh, did he switch to Sports he's a, he's Illustrated? A Sports Illustrated. Oh, then, I, I, then I Sports Illustrated will give you one. I don't know, man.
2: I, I don't know that you're getting the hatchet job from Pat 40 on this one. Uh, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I mean, maybe there's some high and mighty, like, oh, uh, the, you know, all that matters is winning. Yeah, newsflash. But uh, here's the point I'm making. And then it's going to go away and everybody's going to talk about the tournament. And then when it dies down, somebody's going to write a story like what you see on ESPN Today. Right? I mean, Alabama probably feels like it weathered the storm of the Brandon Miller still playing on their team stuff. But ESPN Today writes a big, deep story. On the eve of Alabama starting its SEC tournament run. And the headline is The Death of Jamea Harris, The Alabama Players Involved, and The Family's Torn Apart. And by the way, it's a heart wrenching story. Like, like, never mind the Brandon Miller piece of it. The Jamea Harris piece of it is just heartbreaking. Young mother. But, but that's going to be the cycle. Somebody's going to come back and write a Chris Beard story. It's going to be long, and it, people will react to that, and then it'll die down. And somebody else is going to write a Chris... And then eventually, it'll just kind of go away. That's going to be the life cycle of this. And if you have sensitive feelings for people saying bad things about you online, it's going to be an uncomfortable time for you.
1: I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Inside 30 seconds, Tennessee leading on Miss by 14, make it 15. It's 70-55 to after a free throw. Ball's on their way to a, uh, a win in the second round of the SEC tournament that would advance them to tomorrow's quarterfinal action. I don't have the bracket in front of me. Missouri, is that right? Is that who they would play if they win this game? Yes. Okay, yeah, it's Missouri. Um Mississippi State meeting Alabama in the first game of the day tomorrow on uh, on day three of the tournament coming up. Next, you've got um, Auburn and Arkansas. And then in the night cap tonight, LSU, who won last night over Georgia, is taking on Kentucky. No, that's not right. Kentucky's not playing today. Who, who is it tonight? LSU against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. That's right. Yeah. Who 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 dealt Vanderbilt an incredibly difficult loss a couple of weeks ago. Snapped their five game win streak and kind of put their tourney hopes uh, not on ice, but made them more far fetched. So seventy to fifty five, the final will miss the season comes to an end. They finish the year twelve and twenty one.
4: And that that's it, right? I mean, we've talked about this at length and how we feel about it and all that. and Talked about how this is what college sports is, even if you don't like it. All that stuff. We've talked about that at length. But that right there, what you just said, is the answer to the question, why would they do this? Because I've heard from a lot of old Miss fans. I've talked to them personally and engaged with them on social media and stuff, and Not everybody's like super pumped up about it. Now, a lot of people are, but there are some that that don't like it or whatever. That right there is why when somebody asked me, because I actually have been asked this, believe it or not, why would they do this? That's why. Because Keith Carter, specifically, is sick of losing in basketball. In all sports, but in basketball. What a good basketball team can do to a fan base, to a school, is intoxicating. Maybe that's not the right word to use, but it is. A, a, a deep, not even a deep, just a postseason run, meaningful basketball is intoxicating. It is so much fun. And the the people at Old Miss, if they go through with this, which it sounds like they they are, yes, they're saying that winning is the only thing that matters. Major college athletics. Everybody has that sentiment. There's a reason Mark Richt is not still the coach at Georgia. Great guy. Graduated players didn't win enough. There's a reason Gene Chizik didn't stick around at Auburn. Everybody likes Gene Chizik. Seems like a good dude, right? Didn't win enough. There's a reason Hugh Freeze is the coach at Auburn because he will win enough for a period of time. There's a reason Brandon Miller staying at Alabama. There's a reason Bobby Petrino keeps getting jobs. Chris Beard will win at Ole Miss as close to a guarantee. He, this makes the hire so interesting. Yeah, I, I'm done with absolutes. You can't but, do that. But, 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 but yeah. I, I expect Ole Miss next year to play relevant basketball deep into the season. He is that good at coaching basketball. Now there's a reason Ole Miss could hire a guy like that with their history and all that because of the arrest. That you, you can't... Not tell that part of the story. But they will be immediately interesting and compelling, and they will win right away. It's it's very likely going to go down exactly like that. And from, from a basketball perspective, it's the safest hire Keith Carter could have made. The safest basketball hire he could have made because he has the highest likelihood of winning at a high level. The risk is completely off the floor. On the floor, you hire a winner if if it happens. An elite-level basketball coach, for however long he's there, will be there. And so if you don't like it right now, I understand why. And then winning's going to happen. And when that winning happens, how are you going to feel? When Auburn beats Texas A&M this year, You think anybody's going to care about what AL.com wrote, despite it being good reporting and icky? You know? You think anybody's going to care? Nope. Nobody.
2: You know, hey, Dad, a year ago when John Cohen was still the athletics director at Mississippi State, his charge was to go out and hire the best basketball coach that he could. And he zeroed in on Chris Jans being that guy.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Desiree Francois, who was a new athletics director at Missouri, had a charge to go out and hire the best basketball coach that she could for Missouri. And she went out and she hired Dennis Gates from Cleveland State because she believed that he was the right guy for their program. Mm -hmm. Scott Strickland went out and hired Todd Golden away from San Francisco. And even though they didn't get in this year, they were close. They were in the conversation in February. Georgia got Mike White away from, from Florida. They felt good about that hire. LSU hired Matt McMahon away from Murray State, coming off a, a magical season a year ago. And South Carolina went and hired um, Lamont Paris. Six new coaches in the league. Two of them, uh, six... first-year coaches in the SEC, and of those six hires, two are going to be in the NCAA tournament this year. So John Cohen got it right at Mississippi State with Chris Jans. Desiree Francois got it right at Missouri with Dennis Gates. It appears that Florida got it right with Todd Golden. We'll see. And we'll see with Matt McMahon and with Lamont Paris and with Mike White Right in, in, in time. And so Keith Carter's charge is simply to go out and hire the best basketball coach that he can for Ole Miss. But the, but he, that he can kind of means two things, right? Who can you get and who do you feel comfortable hiring? Three weeks ago, I don't think Keith Carter felt comfortable hiring Chris Beard. But that changed over the course of the last three weeks. And he got to a place where he felt comfortable with it and then had to present it to his bosses, and it appears as if everybody has gotten comfortable with it. So that's one part of the, the can you hire him because of what transpired off the court, and then the second part of it is can you hire him as in can you get him? And if not for the circumstances off the court, the answer to that is No. But but those things did happen and made him available, and now Keith Carter finds himself in a spot where he can and can, it appears, hire Chris Beard. And so in some ways, if the charge for the AD is to go out and hire the best basketball coach that you can hire – it's really the only choice that Keith Carter had once he got to a place that he was comfortable with the details, probably that we don't know about some, of, or at least some of which we don't know about,
4: to go through with this. That all makes sense. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's and and when the scrutiny comes, you've got to be able to point to your process, which I. Because as you said, this this vetting took a long time. It's not like he just decided in his office, you know what, forget everything. I just want to win. And he probably did have a moment like that in his office at some point. But more went into this decision than that. It took them a while. You hope they crossed every T and dotted every I so if the the process comes under scrutiny, they have things to point to to say, hey, look, no, we looked in all of it. It can't happen again. It's really that simple. It can't happen again. If it doesn't, you're going to win a bunch of basketball games. If it doesn't, it'll be a footnote in stories sometimes. But that's all it will be. Is that right? Is that wrong? That's up for you to decide, I suppose. But if it doesn't, then Keith Carter's going to... have praises sung from Ole Miss fans by him for a a very, very long time. It's a calculated risk. It is. But if nothing happens, then it's the safest hire he could have made. We
2: had a question on the c text line. Uh, It said, are you guys okay with the beard hire? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess. I didn't. I'm not the one that's done the vetting. I'm not the one that's talked to 10 or 20 or 50 people in and around the Texas program and Chris Beard and Chris Beard's fiance and other coaches and people that he's worked with previously and his bosses. So, I mean, like I said yesterday, I know Keith Carter well, and I don't. I don't believe he took this process lightly. So if he got to a place where it felt okay, then I guess.
0: I listen to that work. That
1: work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo?
0: Yes, sir.
2: 4 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us on this uh, this Thursday afternoon. Let's roll into uh, spring break week. A lot of folks will be traveling in and about, on the road, all that good stuff. Be safe if you are headed elsewhere over the uh, the coming days. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Um, Haydad, you bring a little different perspective. I mean, obviously, a year ago, we were looking kind of collectively at the Mississippi State situation when they were hiring a new coach. As you kind of sit in a spot where Mississippi State hired a new coach and now has a, a, a first-year head coach that has led them to the NCAA tournament, and you're able to kind of go, yeah, looks, looks like the Bulldogs got it right What's your thought on looking at this Ole Miss likely Chris Beard situation?
3: From a from a purely from a basketball standpoint, it isn't. It's the best hire Ole Miss could possibly have made. I mean, this is a hire that we've said before that Ole Miss can't make without the baggage. You know, if Chris Beard was still at Texas coaching basketball games, he wouldn't even take the call. Instead, he's going to be the head coach in, in Ole Miss. My guess is next year will be a transition kind of year. I I would go into that year with the expectations that I had for Mississippi State this year, which was they would be doing good to go to the NIT. Now, Beard is a good coach, and he might do what Jans did this year and exceed those expectations. But that would be my year one expectations, and then by year two probably into the NCAA tournament. But from a PR and perspective, you guys are absolutely right that it's going to be a harsh hit on the first couple of days after but then something else will happen like it always does, and it will just go away. And But the, the, the what doesn't go away, and this is what Keith Carter will, will sign that contract hoping and praying does, he doesn't have to, have to do, is that it's not a trend, that it's not that it's a one-time deal, it happened, he lost his temper, say whatever you want, there's no excuses for it, but it happened, and it's not ever going to happen again. Because if it does happen again, you fire him, your university looks terrible, and it's then. Then it's going to be the kind of of, of media attention that doesn't just go away after a couple of days. That's something that gets written about a lot.
2: And that's what what Keith Carter and Glenn Boyce have to measure, right? It's what they have to weigh. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the risk, and and
3: they have to be positive too. They have to. I mean, and they could be wrong, but they have one, to be positive that, it, that it's not a trend.
2: And and. And in life, there aren't a lot of absolutes, right? I mean, because life continues to happen. So what you have to be positive about is that you have done everything you can possibly do, and you have talked to everyone that you can possibly talk to and gathered every piece of relevant information that you can possibly gather to inform the decision that you are making. And it's really that simple, isn't it? Because there's no yeah. basketball decision to be made. No. Like, the, like, like you right. don't even have to think about the basketball part. Of the, 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 so, so the question is, can you get to a place where you are comfortable that maybe not all of the facts are public, that there are things that happened or things that led to the situation that are not as bad as how they were publicly portrayed, that it was absolutely a one-off incident, and that there's no risk of this happening in the future. Even though you can't know what the future holds, you have to believe that in your mind. And if you can get to all of those things, and oh, by the way hear from people who have worked with him, who have employed him, who have been his superiors, who maybe have been his subordinates, and gather all that information, then then I guess you go forward with it. And it appears that that that's what's happening. So we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. I, I don't anticipate, I mean, maybe there's an answer tomorrow. Certainly I would think that by Monday, you've got clarity on this. I don't really think that it it lasts all the way until Monday. It'll, what I, and, well I was just gonna say one other thing and I know there are people that kind of have mixed feelings about Neil McCrady as a reporter and you know whatever else. And that's fine. but Neil McCrady's really good as a writer and as a reporter. And the story that he wrote yesterday, he took a very different angle from anything else I've seen or read. And he spent a lot of time yesterday at Bridgestone Arena while teams 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 in the bracket were practicing. And he talked to multiple head coaches and got reactions from them about their thoughts on Chris Beard. It was an interesting article. And largely, the other coaches were... Supportive of the idea of Chris Beard in the SEC.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Oh, touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Uh, uh.
2: Welcome back, 5 o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. We'd love for you to be a part of the conversation today on the C Spire text line, today and every day, at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that's right here in Seaspire Country. 601-879-4395. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. It's inside the Golden Moon. So you go in and you can go around to the sportsbook, tons of TVs. You've got the individual betting terminals, the crystal stations, you've got the uh, the cashiers, you've got kiosks if you want to place your wagers that way. Uh, great food set up in there, and just a really cool viewing experience. If you want to get in on the action, you can do so at the uh, sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. It is a basketball-heavy Thursday with the SEC tournament in its second day. It got started with Mississippi State and Florida and what was a really good basketball game. went to overtime. Mississippi State emerges as a, a winner. They outscore Florida by one in the five extra minutes, 12-11, to 11, and they get a 69-68 win, led by Tolu Smith double-double, a career-high 28 points to go along with 12 rebounds and three steals in the game. Following the Mississippi State-Florida game, it was Ole Miss and Tennessee, Rebels winning last night against South Carolina. Their season comes to an end. They were down six at the half, 39-33, outscored by nine in the second half, and ultimately they lose 70-55. Tennessee advances to a game with Missouri tomorrow. Mississippi State is playing Alabama in the early game tomorrow. Ole Miss was led by Miles Burns with 14 points in the game today in the loss. Two games coming up tonight, 6 o'clock tip-off at Bridgestone Arena for Arkansas and Auburn, followed by the nightcap with LSU and Vanderbilt. Both of those games are on the SEC network. By the way... Just a programming note, Mississippi State's game against Alabama tomorrow will be on ESPN, as will game two, and then the two night games will be on the SEC Network if you want to watch those. Uh, Let's jump in. Let's switch gears. Uh, We've talked basketball a lot. We've talked baseball a lot. Let's talk some college football with the college football fix driven by Ford. Truck month. You can find great deals at your local Mississippi Ford dealers on all kinds of Ford trucks. Whether it's the F-150, F-Series, best-selling truck in America for 46 straight years, or the all-new Ford Super Duty, or maybe you're looking for a pickup, check out the Ranger or the Maverick, all at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Feels a little early for list
4: season, but we've got one, and Michael Borky's big mad about it already. uh, I'm not necessarily mad. I I more think that we should... Start a bonfire and and say some some tongues and burn it. It's that bad. This is an atrocity. Say some tongues. Yeah, like speak in tongues. You know, oh. ancient ancient tongues. Just just to make sure that all of I've, the, heard,
2: I've heard of speaking in tongues. I just was not aware of say some tongues. Oh, whatever. Say in some oh, tongues. Oh, whatever. Say some tongues. Whatever. Point is, we need to build a bonfire and say some tongues. Michael Borky says.
4: Ooh. For a, for a guy that gets so frustrated with uh, picking nits, you often pick nits. Not only with you, really. Point is, it's, it's this, this kind of sport. This list is an atrocity that we need to summon the spirits of old to make sure that this doesn't haunt us for eternity. Bruce Feldman did this while intoxicated. Had to have. Okay. Uh, the only explanation for something this bad. 25
2: names on it, so let me just rip through it. Nick Saban, one. Kirby Smart, two. Davo Sweeney, three. Jim Harbaugh, four. James Franklin, five. Okay. Uh, Jason Day, six. Yeah. <laughs> Lincoln Riley, seven. Brian Kelly, eight. Kyle Whittingham, nine. Lance Leipold, ten. Luke Fickle, 11. Dave Clawson 12. Chris Kleiman, 13. Chip Kelly, 14. Matt Rule, 15. Caleb DeBoer at Washington, 16. Feels a little low. Who is Fisher? Oh. Jimbo? Oh. (laughs) Jimbo Fisher, 17. (laughs) Mark Stoops, 18. Q Freeze, 19. Sonny Dykes, 20. Mike Norvell, 21. Josh Heupel, 22. Kirk Ferentz, 23. Brett Bielema, 24. And Troy Calhoun, 25.
3: Before Borky rants, I want to just say that Richard's blatantly out-in-the-open hatred of James Franklin is one of my favorite parts of this show. Well,
4: let's start with that. I just want to
3: put that on for the record.
4: James Franklin. Hatred is a
2: strong word. Disdain. Loathing.
4: There's another example, by the way, at win at all costs. Penn State. Penn State, with their history, hired James Franklin. That's all you need to say. But James Franklin at five. James Franklin has been at Penn State for nine years. He has won his division one time in nine years. Has won his division one time. Ryan Day has been at Ohio State for less than half of that time and has won that same division three times.
3: Franklin still gets credit for two nine-win seasons at Vanderbilt. That should He should be number two, to be honest. <laughs> nine seasons. One division title in nine seasons,
4: and you're telling me that's the number five coach in all of college football, that there are only four coaches that could do better than than one division title in nine years. That's what you're where saying. They are, is
2: this a where they are today ranking, or is this a based on what they have accomplished in their career ranking? It's
3: however I can... Best coaches in college football right now. That's what it should be.
4: Who are the best college football coaches in college right. football right now? All right, so if it is
2: today, does Kirby Smart deserve to be behind Nick Saban? No.
3: And, Not today. And for this, for the record, this this article was done in conjunction with Richard's other best friend, Stuart Mandel. Stewie Mandel, Mandel ranked them one A, one B. So he tied them at first. Martin mm. Saban. Okay.
2: Little Stewie with so, a little bit of nuance to that take. I, I like it.
3: There you go. So obviously, with our lo- let's do some and, local and, interest and, here. And, 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 There's a the name
2: way, missing. Yes. Yes. By the feels. way, though. I think I probably would still put Nick Saban one.
4: I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, fine with that's that. Fine. I'm
2: good with that. It's fine. Okay. Uh, Lane so, Kiffin is not one of the 25 best coaches analysis. in college
3: football. According to Bruce Feldman.
2: According to Bruce Feldman. He was on
4: Mandel's list. Okay. J- Josh Heupel at 22. Also, J- Jimbo Fisher ahead of Mark Stoops. I think mean, what are you doing here? Why, uh, Jimbo? I know Jimbo won a national championship with Jameis Winston ten years ago, but he has more of anything than anybody else in college football, and he can't beat the the poor old Mississippi schools. He By wasn't. the way,
2: um, James Franklin is not a top five coach. He's a top fifteen coach. He's not a top five coach. No. Yeah, I agree. And and Brian Kelly is better than eight.
4: Yes. I mean, James Franklin's ahead of Lincoln Riley, who just makes the playoffs. Which is all he does. James Franklin's never been. Well, not last year. No. But he's never been. He's He's never been. Luke Mm -hmm. Fickle, at 11, he took Cincinnati to the college football
2: playoff. Which, at last check, is the only group of five team to ever make the playoff. Only one.
4: It just... Ridiculous, man. Matt
2: Rule at 15
4: is.
3: I mean, that. that Put him right back in there, huh?
2: Well, but I. Okay, so that goes back to my question a second ago. Are we talking about in terms of what they've accomplished in their career or are we talking about today? Yeah. Because you can't put Matt Rule at 15 today if this is not a career achievement list.
3: Right? I can't help but wonder as I've read these lists, by the way. Where would Mike Leach would have been? Would he have been on these lists had he, had, he, had he still been with us? It's his birthday today. He should have been in the top 25. I would think so. Would he have
2: been?
4: I don't know. Should have been. If Jimbo's in there. Jimbo at 17, ahead of Mark Stoops.
3: 17. 17. go back and see where Mandel had him.
4: No, Hugh Freeze at 19.
2: And that that may not be the wrong place for him. May not be. Kirk Ferentz at 23? (laughs) See, another one. I mean, come on. Well, I I was actually going to defend that.
4: Him over Kiffin?
2: uh, I, I didn't say that. I just said I don't necessarily have a problem with Kirk Ferentz at 23. What he has accomplished at Iowa over the course of two decades is really impressive. Their offense was bad last year, real bad. He'll
4: be back.
1: If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi.
0: So let's pull this
2: Bruce Feldman list back to the Magnolia State. Again, Zach Arnett's going into his first year as a head coach. He's not going to be on the top 25 list of head coaches in the country right now. No. Obviously. Will Hall, still young in his coaching career, coaching at Southern Miss and the Sunbelt Conference. He's not going to be on Bruce Feldman's top 25 national coaches list right now. Lane Kiffin's a little different story. And, and you mentioned that Stewie had him on his list. Where did he have him on the list, by the way?
3: <laughs> Where'd Stewie have him? I think he had him 17th. 17th? So I'll double check. That. Okay. Uh, that's good. Which is fair. That is fair.
0: Where
2: should Lane Kiffen be on Bruce Feldman's list?
4: Ahead of. For sure, Jimbo Fisher. Y'all might disagree with me. I would say ahead
3: of you, freeze. 19. I'm sorry. 19. Okay.
4: Sonny Dykes just took TCU to the playoff. I, I understand that. His resume otherwise is a little underwhelming, but if maybe not in front of him, I would put him right now in front of Mike Norvell. Although Norvell's got Florida State trending in a very good direction. Got. Trending is different than executing. I would have him ahead of Kurt Ferrance, I would have him ahead of Brett Bielema.
3: So somewhere seventeen twenty. So, of the guys you mentioned, Kiffin is ahead in the in the ones ranked. Kiffin is ahead of Stoops, Fleck, Freeze, Jimbo, Jonathan Smith from Oregon State, and Matt Campbell of Iowa State. Uh, Stewart did not rank Kalen DeBoer. Said so he said it's just been two seasons. He's had one good season. He wasn't willing to rank him, mm. and he wouldn't. He didn't rank Ferentz. He said no. Basically, that no.
2: P.J. Fleck is not on Bruce Feldman's list.
4: Yeah, he's got a tough job. And Minnesota's respectable. I'd, they were nine mm-hmm. and four last year. If I were to make one of these lists, my my goal would be who would I want to run my program right now? In that order. If I were hiring a coach and each one would take my phone call, in which order would I call them? So, I mean, Kirk Ferentz is a great – I say great. He's got a body of work that's steady and stable, but after watching them play the last couple of years with his son calling the worst offense in college football and making no changes, do you want that guy running your program? (laughs) <laughs> Not over Troy Calhoun, I wouldn't. No. Not over Lane Kiffin, I wouldn't. Not over Mark Stoops, I wouldn't. You know, it, Josh Heupel being at 22 on this list, I think, is a travesty. What he's done so quickly at Tennessee is something that I would want in on. I mean, I guess I get it with Kurt Ferentz.
2: I guess. But when you look at his career record... They've accomplished a lot at Iowa, and Iowa's a hard place to win. I mean, he's 186 and 115 and has taken them to, ooh, how many? 3, 6, 10, 12, 14, 16, 8, 22 bowls. And 12 straight. 10 straight. 20 bowls and 10 straight bowls. And I know that. I mean, think about how bad Iowa was offensively last year. At the beginning of the year. All year. The worst offense in college football. Yeah, but they were especially bad at the beginning of the year. I mean... What they did later in the season made the numbers for the year not look as bad as they were at the beginning of the year. They still went 8-5 and five and won the Music City Bowl. They did. And they won 10 the year before that. And 10 to, I don't know. Look, I'm not a stand for Kirk Ferentz at all. And, and this argument is top 25 coaches and, you know, the local angle to it is, is Lane Kiffin a better coach than Kirk Ferentz? Yeah, I think so. I don't even think there's much of a debate there. But if you're, and again, it goes back to why I asked the question earlier: Are we talking about career body of work, or are we talking about right now? And it feels like there's a sliding scale for that, right? Because we have to be talking about career body of work if we're putting Matt Rule at fifteen. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're going to have Caleb DeBoer there, with Stuart Mandel's reasoning, he's only had two years' worth of work, then it's got to be based on what they're doing right now. And so, yeah, I mean, it is a list. That, that, the, the, the fallacy on this list more than anything else is that there's no consistency in the way that you rank these guys. It's right. just, hey, let me throw a list out there and we'll get some reaction to it, which I guess he succeeded, right? I mean, we're talking about it on, on March him. the
4: 9th if I didn't already pay for it, this list would not make me want to pay for it, but either way. Um, but, but that's why I think, if you're to rank them, you, you got to pick one and stick with it, which is why I think, who would I hire right now, in that order, can be consistent. You, you can, like, I think I would hire DeBoer right now over a bunch of guys that are ahead of him. But he doesn't have the body of work of Kyle Whittingham, and maybe that's not the best example, because Whittingham's great, but, Man, I would be hard-pressed to pick Whittingham over DeBoer if I was starting a, 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 a new hire right now. That offense is electric.
2: If Lane Kiffin is not a top 25 coach, then why is it when a major job comes open, people come after him so hard? Or or his name is so prominent in those searches. Because he is. If he's not a top 25 coach, why did Auburn work so hard to try and hire him away from Ole Miss last year? Because he is one. Why did he have two SEC schools that wanted to hire him four years ago?
4: He's a top 25 coach. Probably top 20 coach. His flaw is the inability to settle. That's his flaw. If he planted roots, and maybe he's doing that now, if he planted roots, he would not be left off of lists like this. And it doesn't have to be at Ole Miss. It just has to be somewhere. If he decides one day, I'm going to stay here for a bit and build, if it's at Old Miss or wherever else he may go, the coaching ability will be undeniable at that point. But the instability, that you can't deny that the, the restlessness impacted his football team. It did. If that didn't exist, if that wasn't an annual thing, how people would look at him is vastly different than how people currently look at him. He won 18 games in two years at Ole Miss. Only two teams in the SEC have won more in those two years. Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. But nobody talks uh, about that. They talk about the, the flirting with other schools, the 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 restlessness. That's the narrative about him. Not one eighteen games in two years at Ole Miss, only two teams in the SEC have done more. Nobody talks about that. And that's a self inflicted thing. So your responses
2: on the ceasefire text line, Mike in Oxford says Franklin may be fifth in the Big Ten. Here's another one. James Franklin, top five coach. Ah. <laughs> or something like that. There was a lot of ha-hahs. sounded on the, like yeah, a horse. Like. Really? Like Mr. Ed or like just some random horse? No, like a real horse there. Uh, only thing Ference has over Kiffin is loyalty to a fault. Okay. Uh, any beard talk for the 5 o'clock drive, guys? Yeah, we can circle back to Chris Beard. We've got a break coming up in just a second. Hi, oh, Columbus I thought you meant
3: am sorry. Who? I thought you meant my beard. Oh. I thought you meant my beard. No. I did not.
2: Hunter and Columbus says anyone that loses their last five games or something like that shouldn't be on any list.
3: Okay. I mean, that hurt him for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It did. I mean, if Ole Miss beats Arkansas last year, if they beat Mississippi State down the stretch last year, if they win the bowl game against Texas Tech, you know, any of those things, it probably probably changes, and he's on the list anyway. So, if you want to read that in its entirety, you can uh, you can catch Bruce Feldman and Stewie Mandel's top twenty five coaching list at the uh, the Athletic. It didn't cost a whole lot to subscribe, and there's some pretty decent content on there from time to time. Got a Mississippian in the lead at the Players' Championship in Ponte Vedra. First-round play has been suspended without completion. Man, they need the time to change on the uh, PGA Tour. They've had a lot of first- and second-round suspensions this year. Chad Ramey, former Mississippi State Bulldog golfer, is in the lead at 8-under after firing a first-round 64. He's one shot clear of Colin Morikawa, who uh, is 7-under par. And, oh, by the way, Mississippi native Hayden Buckley with a hole-in-one today on 17 in his opening round. More coming up with you at Sports Talk
1: Mississippi. Mississippi. Back Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. What? On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Back again with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV. And yeah, the, the coaching carousel in college basketball is just now beginning to spin as conference tournaments come to an end, teams get bounced. Yesterday you had uh, the news that Jim Bayheim is out at Syracuse. And I, I thought it was weird even watching the coverage of it last night. I felt like everybody was kind of dancing around the wording as to whether or not he was forced out or he retired. And you know, Jim Bayheim didn't. He didn't make that any easier himself. He didn't take any pressure off of anybody on his way <laughs> out the door. Um, no. Patrick Ewing, the favorite son at the University of Georgetown, who was far better as a player than he was as a coach, is out.
3: Hate to see that. Hate to see that. Yeah, you know, that's something. That's a story you would have liked to have worked out. That mm-hmm. you know, the greatest player in school history comes back and and, re- and leads the program back to prominence, but it didn't work. It
2: uh, it decidedly did not work for Patrick Ewing. Um. So post, post John Thompson, it's been tough, right? I mean, yeah, hands, hands it all his through. His son, son had a T3, couple of good years there. And, yeah.
3: yeah,
2: follow that up with uh, with Patrick Ewing. That doesn't work. Uh, are they so, a, are they
3: a school that's just going to stay in the family, or do they, or do they have to like finally look outside the Georgetown coaching tree and and go get somebody? I mean. Are you like asking if Alan Iverson is going to be the next coach there? I was say, is Alonzo Mourning going to be the next coach? Dikembe Mutombo, one of them. Hmm. I don't know. Don't know.
2: It's a place where it feels like you should be able to win, though. And maybe it's because of the history, but I mean, they're—I mean—they're I mean, they're right there in DC. I mean, the, the that's recruiting the thing, base in the DMV. The is recruiting area really good. is great.
3: But when you say the history, it really is history. I mean, when's the last time Georgetown was nationally relevant? I mean, even a guy like, you know, Iverson, who was so influential for so many basketball players growing up, that's that's starting to wane now, you know. Today's players, today's high school kids, they don't know Iverson as much as as you and I did, obviously.
2: That's actually a really good question. When is the last time that Georgetown basketball was relevant? Just pulling up their year by year results and it's so so Patrick Ewing in his second season they were 19 and 14
0: in the not nationally
2: relevant though. No, how did they they got into the NCAA tournament at 13 and 13 in the 2021 season?
3: They won the uh the tournament. Oh, okay.
2: Georgetown has not won an NCAA tournament game. Uh, The 2015
3: tournament, they went to the second round. Yeah, there you go.
2: They played in the national semifinal in 2007. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I forgot that John Thompson the third, that there was somebody between him and John Thompson. Craig Eshrick Anyway, uh, not, we're, we are not a Georgetown basketball show. Just saw that that note was out there. I do think it's relevant, though, right? So Syracuse, open but not really, right? I mean, they immediately announce who the successor is going to be them like the press release. The press release is more about who the successor is going to be than Jim Beheim. I believe.
4: Did you see Mike Krzyzewski said that they need to do uh, a better job of announcing the retirement of Jim Beheim at Syracuse? It's like you-, you want them to do a whole year-long tour and butt-kissing like you got there, Mike? Maybe some people just decide, hey, I'm done. Thanks, y'all. See you later.
2: Yeah, the difference is Krzyzewski decided he was done. The university decided Bayham was done.
4: Well, true, but you know, Roy Williams also was like, "Hey guys, thanks." He, yeah, he did. I'm out. He, he was. He was just peace out, guy. Some people don't need a, a like. If if one of us were ever to leave, we're not spending the next twelve months talking about how great you are until you do leave.
3: Speak for yourself.
4: Yeah, not doing it. I won't engage.
3: So it's a win-win is what you're saying? If you win oh. a lottery. <laughs> I, I get, Richard will talk nice about me and Borky will be quiet. It's the best day ever. No, I'll just mess with you. Or am I? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Points to me. No, making, so Georgetown is open. That's a high-profile job. I mean, you, you, can, yeah. you can talk about whether or not it's an important job anymore, but it is a high-profile job. Georgetown gets coverage likely to see other jobs open. Wisconsin may open mm-hmm. in the yeah. in the next couple of days. There's a lot of discontent with Greg Gard. Um, and, and so pulling this back to the old misconversation about Chris Beard this hiring cycle, the next hiring cycle, I, I don't know. But it appears as if, and all signs are pointing to Ole Miss announcing maybe tomorrow that Chris Beard is going to be the next head coach. And getting to the point where you were offering the job to Chris Beard, he's accepting the job, there was some work that had to be done. And it was going to take – like, like if, if Ole Miss had just – I mean, I know this is a little silly, but if they had just decided, okay, we're making a coaching change, you couldn't hire Chris Beard in three days. Like, there's not enough time to do the type of research you needed to do on his situation before getting comfortable with making that hire. And so Ole Miss, in the last three weeks, really dug deep in on that, and now they're positioned to make that hire, whereas this thing lingered for another couple of weeks. You could potentially have other more high-profile, traditionally, programs really taking a deep look. And you wonder if maybe one of those would be more attractive to Chris Beard than Ole Miss is. I've been told he really wants to coach in the SEC. A lot of people do.
3: What a difference.
2: What a difference, right?
3: Because we're back to what we talked about earlier. Yeah.
4: Um. There's been some. What's interesting about this, by the way, so you know, and you've got some people that are doing the. This will happen soon, per sources, and it's like just you know just everything, you know. It's gonna break at some point, but this whole I, I'm fake breaking it is is a little odd. I, I do find it interesting uh, whether it was strategic or not, that either Ole Miss or somebody involved in this kind of slow leaked it. So we mentioned before, uh, Pete Thamel's story on this wasn't he's getting like it's done, he's hired. But the ESPN story was he's the front runner, deal's expected to become soon. Almost like a slow burn is happening, like that. That's already been put out there, and people have had have digested it and have talked about it. And I wonder if that wasn't strategic to help lessen the blow of breaking its official Chris Beard at Ole Miss. People already know that's happening now. You know what I mean? If that wasn't intentional, then they lucked into what could be a pretty pretty brilliant public relations strategy because nobody's going to be surprised by the announcement anymore. It's already out there. Ole Miss is hiring Chris Beard, barring some crazy change of circumstances. It's already been reported on by ESPN. Lessens the impact of the formal announcement because everybody's expecting it to happen already. It's not a bad little PR strategy if that's how they actually approach this.
1: Yeah.
4: I don't know if
2: it's intentional or it's just the nature of a coaching search. Huh. Right? you got agents that talk. You've got assistant coaches that talk. The, the coaching community itself is just a big old gossip ring. And you got media people that talk to coaching people all the time and agent people. So, I did like this. We got a message from. Uh, this is an Oxford number. Be tough to win without practicing. Talking about Alan Iverson as the head coach at Georgetown. <laughs> practice,
3: practice. I bet. He, I bet he would have a different opinion of practice if he were a coach. My my
2: guess is Just call me that, crazy that you are uh, you are accurate on that. Hoops coming up tonight. You guys locked in on this um, this Auburn Arkansas game? You want the truth?
3: Yeah. yeah, no, no, I'm not. The answer is no. Mm.
4: Got to finish Outer Banks my, season my three. Locking
3: be, yeah, my locking will be, my locking will be reserved for Mississippi State Alabama tomorrow, which I'll have to listen to on the radio. But as it is,
2: did it used to be that way for you? Like, I I found myself pulled in last night. I thought the environment in the arena lended itself to, you know what, I'm going to leave it on this channel. I'm going to watch LSU-Georgia after the Ole Miss game was over, and I find myself, like, as soon as I get home tonight, I'm turning on the TV for Arkansas-Auburn, and it won't go off until the end of the LSU-Vanderbilt game. And that's kind of how I grew up. Like, all of the games were interesting to me at the SEC tournament. When did you lose that, or did you ever have it? We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah.
1: This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
2: Brandon Brandon says, wait, I thought sports dudes had to watch sports, even tonight. All right, so, hey, Dad, what I was trying to get before we, we ran out of time just a second ago. I feel like in about seventh grade, we had teachers that would let us watch the SEC basketball tournament starting on Thursday at school. They would roll those televisions into the room like on the big carts. Yeah. And you'd have to wire and then eventually you had the TVs that were like mounted in the classrooms on the on the little swivel thing. And they'd let us mm-hmm. watch some, maybe not the entire class, but some. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I fell in love with the SEC basketball tournament. It's been a long time since I've been. Just cuz I've had like no working reason to go and, you know, other stuff going on. Yeah. I've always kind of found it cool to watch, and I thought last night was Pretty compelling. It felt like there was more buzz around the tournament, than then today, both games today were pretty fun. Mississippi State Florida was wildly entertaining, and then, yeah, you're watching Ole Miss because it's the local team. But pretty good storylines tonight. So, did you grow up watching all of it? Hey, Borky, you were not, up in South all Carolina, of it.
4: okay? The ACC Ball, like, tournament fr- was something that that we did. Well, that's, that's got with ask. me. Go ahead, hey,
3: Dad. With state, state did not win a SEC tournament game until 1996. That was their first year to win a game in the SEC tournament. Even the '91 team that won the SEC was one and done in the SEC tournament. So,
2: like, ne- like every in the year, of I was the th- program had never won a tournament game. In the history
3: game? of the program, had never won an SEC tournament game. Until they wow. won it in 1996. Okay. And so it was always just like, no, I don't get into the SEC tournament because I know State's going to be eliminated early. You know, and I'm not really interested in watching Kentucky win it again. So that said, when State won the SEC tournament, then they went through like a stretch where they were always really competitive, you know, and they, they won two more tournaments in that time frame. And so I I, I did tune in a lot more during those yeah. years. And then yeah. these past few years, it's been like, eh, I'm just, at that point, I'm just locked into baseball. Sure.
2: That's what I was going to ask you, Borky. You grew up in South Carolina, which is right on the edge. Well, I mean, I guess with Clemson, is ACC country. Yeah. Everybody locked into the ACC tournament. It was
4: a huge deal in Greensboro. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of just Clemson Clemson fans, of course, but a lot of Duke and North Carolina fans there just for basketball because people jump on bandwagons and that's what happens. That's why I have a neighbor who's an Alabama fan. Um, that is only an Alabama fan because they win, and that's it. So we had a lot of that there as well, and so the ACC tournament grabbed people because uh, they liked watching Duke play because they won. Ooh, that's what happens. Bandwagons, people jump yeah. on yeah
2: And look, I mean, if you don't have ties to a team, you might as well pick a team that wins because that's a heck of a lot more fun than following a team that loses all the
4: time. Some people don't make those choices. Me? Yeah, well, maybe you're not the smartest guy I know. Well, you know, there's a guy, by the way, that... I mean, we know Haydad does. Yeah. There's a a guy that's been trying to troll you on Twitter. just been sent a couple of just long, just ha-ha-ha-ha-has at you. And uh, I've wanted so bad. I don't feel like engaging somebody like that, but Richard, he is posing in Nick's gear at Madison Square Garden, and I so badly just want to say... What's funnier is the Knicks only winning one playoff series since the year 2000. But I, I, I can't, is this on my Twitter feed? It's it's definitely in sports talks. Oh, okay. But you, you can't laugh at anybody about a sports thing when you're posing in Madison Square Garden when the Knicks have won again one single playoff series in the last 23 years. You can't laugh at anybody if you're a sports guy like that. No
2: sir, yeah. out of bounds. Well, if that guy listens to our show, I got good news for him. He doesn't have to hear from me again until next Friday. I'm about to check out on you guys. I'm, I'm like I might text you or say hi or something. Tomorrow is the Borky Show. Tomorrow will be the Borky Show alongside Will East, and so Michael Borky will be doing some hoops, some baseball previews. He will be doing a Food Friday. I, I expect exceptionalism on Food Friday, presented by Polk's tomorrow. Michael Borky solo. Are you going to involve Will in the Food Friday? Yeah, of course. I want to. I want to hear about a Greek dish from Will. He married into a Greek family.
4: I want to, I want to learn it. You don't think so? No. Nah. I just can't indiscriminately read the text line. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. No backup yeah, on that. That's right. Just, None. Yeah. That guy um, sent me a. Well, one of the guys sent me a message on Twitter asking to be unblocked, and I told him no. <laughs> That's, no, fool that... me once.
2: Shame on you. Fool me twice. Yeah, yeah, not gonna fool me twice. Uh, this weekend, obviously today, we're talking basketball a ton. This weekend, you got Old Miss at home against Purdue, Mississippi State at home against Lipscomb, Southern Miss home against Valparaiso. Final non-conference weekend series for all three and then we will uh, roll into conference play for Michael Borkey and Brian Hayden in the Pearl River Resort Studio I'm Richard Cross good night